I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. Happy Monday, everybody. It is the week of Thanksgiving, which means you can eat all week if you wanted to with no shame. Just saying it's 2020. We're on the verge of like a re-quarantine or something, and it's Thanksgiving week. So you can eat and drink all you want. I've given you the excuse. I will write you a letter to your friends and family, if you need me to, I mean, this should be the excuse to be able to eat and drink all you want this week. Be a glutton all you want. And speaking of being a glutton, I may make my co-host here make one of his famous apple, or not apple, pumpkin pies for me, because, um, you know, you have to at this time of the year, considering the fact that it is the thing that he makes the best, introducing, per the usual, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing? Hello, Corey. I'm very excited. I think I'm on pumpkin pie duty again this year. I could be mistaken, but I feel like that's my job now inside the family is to make the pumpkin pie every year. And we're doing things a little bit differently this year because I have to work on Thanksgiving Day. So... We're basically going to do like a Thanksgiving lunch, more or less, but the pies are still going to be rolling out of the baking oven, and I'm very excited. I was actually bragging about my pumpkin pie making skills to some of the customers today at Sprouts when they had pumpkin pies. I was like, I got I got a great I got a great recipe in case you want to know. You pop some bourbon in there. Oh, it's so good. So I who knows, maybe other people will start doing it, but I'm excited. Oh for my th- gosh, Richie, that's got to be your pickup line. There are hot women who shop at Sprouts. Yeah. You've got to use that as your pickup line. I make a really mean pumpkin pie. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing anything for Thanksgiving, you should come over and try it. <laughs> that's good. That's very good. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that. But thank you for the advice. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I mean, use it. Use it when you can. (laughs) Also, we have some news, by the way, Corey. I have recording for the first time in a new setup. Not off of my iPad on Zoom now. I am recording off of my brand new MacBook Pro, which I love already. That is amazing. We have been waiting for Richie to get a laptop since the dawn of time we're so we were so frustrated with the fact that like richie didn't have a laptop he tried to get away with just using an ipad this whole time which got him like a ways but it wasn't far enough so we're we're very happy that he's joined the land of the laptop people and um i feel like this is like it Almost like an Apple ad, because we're both recording off MacBook Pros today. Mm-hmm. This is true, but they're not paying us any money, so we're not going to talk about it too much longer. But I will say, I love mine so far. It's the new M1 version of the MacBook Pro, so this is, has Apple's new M1 chip in it that they designed on their own, and it's crazy good. Like, cra- crazy good battery life. I was zooming along when I'd been editing my videos on iMovie re- lately, I'm like, man, this is great. And I made a great, great purchase. I'm excited that maybe our podcast will start sounding a little bit better from time to time when I'm here recording at home, even though I couldn't get my sync and mic to work. So hopefully I'm sounding okay, Sporty Nation. I know you're, you're coming through loud and clear, Corey. You sound great, obviously. So hopefully my voice is sounding just as good. You sound freaking gorgeous, Richie. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my voice is always sexy, but I think it's even sexier coming through a MacBook, in my opinion. 
I mean, that is why your name is Suave. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So a lot of stuff coming up on the show today. Some Coyotes news this week that we want to get to, including some of the rumored new divisions around the NHL that is basically, as far as the Coyotes concerned, more or less going to move them to the Central Division a year early. We'll talk about that coming up. We will continue the discussion about the reverse retro jerseys. We heard from some Coyotes players this week about what they thought of the new jerseys. I was talking to somebody today, uh, one of the customers today, and and uh, he was wearing some Boston Bruins um a Boston Bruins shirt, and we were talking about the reverse retro. He loved the purple version of it. So uh, I'm excited to hear what the players have to say. And, of course, all of Reckman Larson, who's back in town skating at Gila River Arena, along with some of his teammates. He had a deep dive interview with Craig Morgan that we want to get to coming up in the show. And then, of course, we'll wrap up with random shit from around the world. Got some good headlines for you at Sporty Nation. But before we get to Coyotes news and whatnot, Corey, I don't know if you saw – well, actually, you did see, obviously, because you replied to it. I, I, I made this Twitter thread last night on Friday about – basically in relation to the Mission Impossible movies because the Mission Impossible movies were on, on Friday night. So I was watching Mission Impossible – three and Mission Impossible five. And that got me thinking, I was like, it's one of the best action franchises of all time. Ethan Hunt's one of the best. What, what number is Rogue Nation? I was watching that one too. Five. Yes. Rogue Nation's number five. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you can continue. I just, I was wondering if we were watching the same one because we, we both have Hulu, but uh, yeah. So I, I watched Rogue Nation as well. Okay, that's really funny. How hilarious. Great minds think alike. But yeah, so I got on to like, okay, well, who are the greatest action heroes of all time? The greatest action franchises of all time? And Fast and the Furious came up. And I don't think we've talked about it on our show, but I've never seen any of the Fast and Furious movies all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces of some of the movies. The only one I've seen all the way through is Hobbs and Shaw. But other than that, I haven't seen it. So we're going to rectify this coming up probably next month for the next next month's movie of the month and we'll we'll binge watch and i need to get through how many there's eight of them is that right uh yes they are coming out with fast nine um they're supposed to come out with it this year but it got pushed back due to covid so it'll be coming out next year so there are eight of them and the giant irony in all of this is while rogue nation was on so was Fast and Furious, which is the fourth movie. It was on, and so I also watched that last night. And then um, we, after that one aired, Tokyo Drift was on, and I only watched the very beginning of it that night. But then when Isha, our, um, you know, one of the wonderful um, creators and owners of this network, um, was arguing with me about Tokyo Drift being the best movie in the franchise which i i wholeheartedly disagree love you isha but no um uh, <laughs> so i rewatched it again today um in order to give it a fair shot just in case he was correct he is not that's that's what i hear from people is that tokyo because tokyo drift is the one movie of the franchise that's like doesn't involve like toretto or vin diesel or anybody else like it's just it's just it's a completely self-contained story and nobody liked it yeah no vin diesel shows up like at the very end for like two seconds it's just like a little like cameo type thing but yeah no it has no relation other than the fact that han comes into the later like he becomes part of their team um outside of that that's the only thing that really like ties it in i guess you would say and that's what it was funny because we'd gotten into a like a whole conversation because I quote tweeted you about that and um, someone had asked me they go there's a storyline there and <laughs> yes there is a storyline but I don't think it's so far as someone had said to you that if you're going to watch it that you need to ask someone what the correct order is to watch them in it is not at the same level of like Star Wars where it's like you know, they're all out of order where you need to, like, watch them. These are pretty simple. Like, it one connects to four. Like, w there's one, 
And then four is the, the same storyline just five years later. The second one is just kind of tells you something that one of the characters was doing during those five years. But one and four connect to each other. And then it just goes on from there. They all have the same storyline going throughout. Um, so there is is the storyline. I mean, it does kind of end eventually. And they just kind of start doing missions for like the FBI and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I, it eventually gets to a point where you just watch it because you enjoy the franchise and you enjoy like little additions that they did. Like the newest ones had uh, Charlize Theron in it and I love her and she's a very good villain. So, you know, you can't, they get very um, kind of what they're known for now, which is being very over the top. So you can't really look at them like, oh, they're going to be like the original ones. Because the, like, one in four starts getting a little bit out of hand once you get to five. Um, they, they're they relatively just like racing movies. And then they start kind of getting a little over the top. But, I mean, people anymore, I feel like, watch them for the characters because they like them so much. And because they're so over the top that you can just get a kick out of how over the top they are. That's why I liked Hobbs and Shaw. I had never, obviously never seen any of the franchise, so I wasn't introduced to Hobbs or Shaw. I had no idea who they were. I just am a big fan of The Rock, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba all being in the same movie, and it was fucking great. And it was batshit crazy and over the top, and it was so much fun. And if, from what I understand, that's pretty much what the Fast and Furious franchise is now. Right after, like you said, after Fast Five or Six, that's pretty much what it becomes. It just becomes an over-the-top action franchise, kind of on the level of like a Transformers, but maybe with more characters that you enjoy a lot more than the than the Transformers characters. And so I feel like I would really enjoy the movies, but I, I just I don't know why I, I haven't gone back and watched them. I don't know. If, maybe it's because they're not readily available on any of the streaming services all that often. So I'm like, all right, I have to go and search and search and search for them. But yes, we're going to rectify that situation and I'm going to watch all of them all the way through. And maybe we'll do some, maybe I'll do some reviews for the sporting nation. Once I watch them, once we watch them and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited to finally get around to watching that franchise. You will like it. And it, also, if you like Jason Statham, Jason Statham is um, a villain in one of the movies. That's how he ties into Hobbs and Shaw. Is mm-hmm. he's a villain and then kind of becomes a, like a better guy, like going down the road. So he's he's in there too. So you'll you'll definitely enjoy having him in there too. I mean, if I'll have to send you a clip from. A Family Guy episode. There's a Family Guy episode where Stewie watches the entire, like binge watches the entire franchise. It's basically the example of who I am when I'm watching all of them. That's funny. Okay, we got one more thing here before we get into the Coyotes News of the Week. And you put out the poll this week, Corey, about which alcohol we should drink during the show and like do a review of. Um, I'm not. I'm not drinking any booze tonight. I'm drinking coffee unfortunately tonight because we hadn't really gone around to planning out what the hell we were going to drink and it's a really expensive thing to do to go out and buy a new bottle are you drinking anything special for tonight or no i am actually at the very bottom i just finished it off of my favorite liqueur which is um the three amigos ramona's reserve it's good it's like, it's kind of like a caramely vanilla kind of, I don't know how to explain it. You've drank it before. I don't know yeah. how to exactly, I, caramel I feel like is kind of a flavor to it, but it's a really good liquor. Oh, our pool still hasn't even ended yet. So we still have. Oh, I left, of- I left time. I didn't make the normal mistake that I normally do, which is cut it too short so when this episode comes out people can't listen and mm-hmm. still vote on it i extended right. it to make sure that you guys had a couple days to still vote on it yeah so there will be about a day a little over a day left to vote by the time you guys hear this episode 
And in case you missed it, here's the poll that Corey put out. We often talk about wine on this show, but we wanted to do an official weekly tasting until hockey starts again. Do you want us to stick with wine or something else? And the choices are wine, beer, vodka, whiskey, tequila, rum, gin, and hard seltzer. Those are the options right now. And right now, when we were recording, and I love this, whiskey is winning with 35% of the vote. However, we did get a lot of tequila write-ins, a couple tequila write-ins. So right now it's between whiskey and tequila, I would say, right now. Well, yeah, and then, like, rum is is winning on this other one. We might have to do a, like, once this has been narrowed down, like, this is our, like, final three or whatever. And then have people one day only vote to the death. That's Yes. So this is, like, this is, like, the the regular season that's going on right now. And then we'll have the playoffs. Yep, we'll have the playoffs. We'll just see which ones are um, with as many tequila write-ins as we had. I, I feel like we have to, tequila has to be one of them. And then we'll have to do the ones, the other two will be the ones that win each of the two. Cause I, there's so many that I had to do two separate polls. Um, I feel like the second one doesn't get seen as much as the first one. So um, just to make it fair, we will um, do that. I mean, I would like, rum to be in in the final three because i like me some rum i've been actually doing a lot of cracking and <laughs> cracking and coke lately so um i i would really definitely like to see that one in the end so w- right now that's got 45 percent of the second vote so we'll see there's de- it's definitely still early there's still two days and 22 hours left um but yeah if you're listening to this right now go over to our twitter and vote for which one you'd like for us to taste, talk about on the show. We just figured, you know, why not? It's, um, why not see what you guys want to hear and be able to taste test them and give our honest opinions about it. And especially if it's something that we aren't, you know, the biggest on. I mean, if it comes down to either like rum or whiskey, usually I know a fair amount of rum. Not all, we'll try and find some there, ones that I don't know. And then Richie knows almost all whiskey, so we would be kind of screwed there. We can't really find many that Richie doesn't know. We also have another, another option that was uh, given to us by Tom from the blue notes show here on the hockey podcast network, which is to try MD 2020, which is mad dog 2020 as it's referred to in the popular culture. Apparently this stuff is God awful, but it's a quick way to get drunk. It's like 13, it's like 14% alcohol. It's a malt liquor. It sounds disgusting. I've never tried it, thankfully, but it's also out there that we should both give that a try. From what I understand, it's fairly cheap. Yeah. So that's also out there is that we could try that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of those drinks that, um, how do I say this, that like you would need to be underage to drink, you know? Like it's one of those that like – People who are 21 and uh, can get the better stuff, we get the better stuff. But when you're underage and you can only uh, get what you can get, that's that's essentially what it makes me think of alcohol-wise. Someone else uh, suggested that in Four loco. No, 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 no. I was old enough to, or young enough, I guess, to avoid that craze. Um, I know Kat has talked about the fact that she was like around during that craze. I, um, am three years younger than, than her and Richie. So, um, I was a little bit just after the four loco craze. Um, so definitely didn't go get into that. And I think I don't ever want to, so I don't think we'll go down that path, but maybe for, this one, since it's it's got 2020 in its name, why not? We may, maybe we'll do a video or something. We'll see. We might do something special for it on the side. Yeah, we'll see. Stay tuned for that. More to come. At Corey underscore Richie show on Twitter is where the poll is, by the way, in case you want to go vote. Okay, let's dive into some of the Coyotes news of the week here. Where would you like to start, Corey? La- ladies first. Ladies choice. 
We have three stories to get to. What do you want to talk about first? Oh, that, that's absolutely beautiful. Why don't we start with the rumored new divisions? Because to me, when I was reading this, which this is basically the same as where they they crudely drew their little like lines, right? This is basically the teams that were in those lines. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's just based on uh, because because of Canadian travel restrictions during COVID, we've already seen the fact that the Toronto Raptors and the NBA are not were not given permission to still continue to play in Toronto during the upcoming NBA season, which starts in less than a month, basically. And so they're going to play their home games this year in Tampa Bay, which is which is crazy. Down, or not Tampa Bay, but down there in, in Florida, somewhere in there. And so in the NHL, they have the same problem, where they're going to have an all-Canadian division, which means that three of the Pacific Division teams are going to move out and into their own division. That's Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. So that means that three teams from the Central are going to move into the West, and those teams are the Avs, the Stars, and the Wild that will join the Ducks, Coyotes, Kings, Sharks, and Golden Knights to form the new Western division of the NHL. And if you're a Coyotes fan, I don't like this, frankly, at all. I think it's basically they get to move into the West, the Central division a year earlier than originally scheduled because of this. And you're getting a powerhouse Colorado team that is probably going to be your favorite to come out of the Western Conference this coming season. You got the Dallas Stars, who are coming off a trip to the Stanley Cup final. And then you got the Minnesota Wild, who the Coyotes can't fucking win against, for the love of fuck, and for goodness sake. We've talked about that on this show all the time. And so it's going to be a tough division there for the Coyotes. But what I'm curious about is how they're going to structure the playoffs. Are they going to do it similar to what they've done in the past, where the Central and the West, and you take the top three teams plus two wild cards? I, I'm assuming that's where they're going to go with this because from what I understand, and, and Craig Morgan had this in a recent article of his where he was essentially saying that there's just little to no chance that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are going to want to do another 24-team structure. But overall, you look at this and this proposal right now, and it it doesn't really benefit the Coyotes much at all. To be honest with you, like the, well, the first thing I, I thought of when I read this and was looking at it is, is it's essentially like a slow lead-in. Like they're essentially weaning the Coyotes off of of their favorite drug, right? So they like are taking some of some of it away and introducing some of the new stuff. Like that is kind of the way it looks. And so this is going to be a light test run before they're thrown into the fire. It's not going to be good for the Coyotes in the fact that it's not going to be good competition wise because of, of what you've mentioned. But I do like the fact that it's going to awaken them to what they're going to be looking at from here on out. I still don't agree with the Coyotes being moved into the Central Division. I've gotten on um, many, many rants. In fact, um, people on THPN would would literally just ask me to rant about it because I um, really am not fond of that whole idea that you can have two expansion teams uh, come in and just kick someone out of their division. But... uh, I digress before I get into into that some more, but I think it's good that they are kind of going to have a rude awakening is the best way I can say it, that they're going to have a rude awakening before they get thrown into the fire because of the fact that they can at least see, you know, you can anticipate something all you want, but until you experience it, you can't understand the pain that you're going to be under. And they're going to be under a lot of pain. I 100% agree. I, again, this hasn't been finalized yet. This is just their proposal so far. But 
man, is it going to be a, is it going to be a tough tough stretch there? Because you know, take a look at it, and and where the Coyotes you know might come in and in the division right now. I don't see them. I see the obviously, like I said, I see Colorado, I see Dallas, and I see Vegas being your top four teams in that proposed division. And so the Cowboys would be battling for one of those two wild cards, along with the Central Division. And it's just going to be tough to get in because you look at the Central and you're bringing in the Tampa Bay Lightning. The defending Stanley Cup champions are going to be in that Central Division. Right, you're bringing in the Detroit. Excuse me, you're bringing in the Columbus Blue Jackets, a really good team from the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh Penguins, a really good team from the Eastern Conference. So, I I just don't see how the Coyotes are, even if all things go well for the Coyotes this year, and that is a team that is able to build upon what they did last year because for the most part, you're looking at a team that's essentially the same with just a few changes on, among their bottom six. And who knows, maybe they even got a little bit better on their bottom six by, by some arguments there. But man, is it going to be tough for this team to find a way to get into the playoffs with this kind of structure looking at their the way that the, the two essential – because basically what's happening here, Corey, is – to, to draw an analogy is more or less a national league and a, an American league to use the baseball terminology or an, or an AFC and an NFC where there's not an Eastern Western conference, but you still have two distinct conferences. Um, kind of like, I guess the Wales and the Campbell conference from back in the day for, for old school NHL fans. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be tough for the Coyotes this year. I, I see it in like two ways. Either they will crash and burn and will learn their lesson in the fact that you know that this is what they're coming into and then they need to prepare and play at the level that the central division demands or they are going to play up because of the fact that this team at least this last year has has had an affinity for playing up to harder teams and playing down to teams that are either the same level as them or lower so this could be what they need to kind of get the kick in the pants in order to play better um, just or in general because of the fact that when they are stuck into a situation kind of like when they went to St. Louis and, you know, we always bring this back up where, you know, they flew in late and then they had to play and play that, you know, that next night they played really well and so they deal with adversity pretty well, and they're used to being the underdogs. So being coming into this and being the underdogs might be the just the mentality and the environment that they need to succeed. It's just I I feel like it's gonna be one of the two, and it's it's really sad because even if they succeed in doing well in this, I still don't see them being a fantastic team. When I say they may succeed in this that I still feel like it's going to be a, a succession in mediocrity. I think mediocrity is a, is a very good word because pretty much that is Phoenix sports in a nutshell, mediocre 100%. And we're seeing that with the Cardinals right now who have been mediocre at best over the last couple of weeks, including that loss to Seattle, which I know this isn't a, a Cardinals podcast, but I got so much shit for a video I put out on my Twitter account at our floor is 91, where I just crushed Cliff Kingsbury. He's a disaster I, I, as a head football coach in the NFL, but we'll leave that for another day. Let's move on, Corey, to... Which I have to say, y'all need to calm down. That was why I tweeted my tweet of him sitting in his house saying this is where he's going to be reading everybody's tweets hating on him, is in his nice-ass house in Scottsdale. That man is doing just perfectly fine. There were a lot of problems in that game that wasn't necessarily his coaching, but it was lack of discipline from his players, which does come back to him as a coach needing to discipline his players and making sure that they stay disciplined. But there are some key plays in that game that really gave the game away because his players couldn't fucking handle themselves. 
Exactly. And I, in the video, I said that starts from the top. That starts with Cliff Kingsbury. But we digress. We could do a whole 75 minutes on the Cardinals this season because, damn it, if the very least, they've been fascinating as fuck this season. But let's let's move on, Corey, to um, to some of the players' thoughts about the reverse retro jersey. Alex Kinkoff from ArizonaCoyotes.com put out this piece this week where he went through and he, he got some comments from some of the Coyotes players about the, the brand-new reverse retro, which, of course – we love ever so much. Um, what, what, what were some of the players' thoughts there, Corey? Well, uh, this was – I actually thought was pretty cool because, you know, we always get to hear all of the stuff from, um, you know, from all of the fans and everyone gets to talk about how, how much the fans like the jerseys, which uh, the fans unequivocally love the jerseys. They've been going off about them. But it was really nice to hear from – some people like Derek Stepan who said they're great. I think it's good for our sport to have quote unquote retro nights. You look around and every league pretty much has a unique Jersey for their team. And I think hockey is jumping onto that bandwagon. I think they did a great job with doing these retro jerseys. I just think it's something unique and different. It's not just our standard colors. I'm a huge fan of the Kachina colors and to have this little twist on the Kachina look is super cool. And then Jason DeMare said, obviously, I think we all like them. They're a bit funky, but I like it. I mean, that but should be DeMare's, uh, you know, uh, saying for himself. <laughs> He's a bit funky, but we like him. Um, I like the look of them. I like anything retro. So I'm definitely down to wear it. The purple is great. It's awesome. I'm anxious to see what gloves, what the gloves and helmet are going to look like but the jerseys themselves are awesome. That is such such a uh, prima donna hockey thing. And it's so funny how that's like the first thing that's like, well, what are the gloves and the helmet going to look like that go with this? Because it's, it's an outfit, you know? You can't just have the jersey. You have to have the whole outfit. You have no excited I am, no idea how excited I am for one of the hats that te- was teased this week from Sam Dewar on Twitter. And something I actually tweeted at him asking about, which is, it's in the works. It's a purple hat, and it's got the orange Gila Gila River or Gila Monster on it, and then the bill of the cap is the desert landscape from the bottom of the jersey. Oh my god, the hat looks amazing. I don't know. I don't know if I sent it to you or not, or I don't know if you saw the teaser about it. I can send it to you right now, but I cannot wait to pick up one of those hats because it lo- it looks incredible. I And as you know, Corey, I am a hat aficionado. I have way too fucking many. Everybody has their, their thing for lack of a better term. Like they just, it, it, in whether it's clothing or shoes or, or memorabilia or whatever, I have way too many freaking hats. So I'm excited to pick this thing up. If you guys have seen it, I'm sure you guys love it. Got a lot of great love on, on Twitter from Sam Dewar on Twitter, but I cannot wait until this damn thing goes on sale. Cause you bet your ass. I'm going to be first in line to go pick up one of those hats. and I'm going to wear it all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, it was very smart of, of Sam to put that out because uh, it definitely did get a lot of love. And I, uh, I've already asked for Christmas from some people I go, if you can get your hands on a, one of the purple shirts with the Kachina on the front, I want it. I want it like now. Mm-hmm. And I think I sent that to you and yes. um, Kat. And I think it was Sam Dora that also put that out. Um, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, I want that. I want that now. Like put that on my body because you guys have heard how much I've been ranting and raving about the purple. I mean, the hat that you were talking about is is super cool. And I definitely will probably pass out if I find out that it has come out and you and Kat don't have that in your possession, like pronto. Um, it, so they did a really good job on this and not to bring any like negativity or, anything into it but like after the struggle that the coyotes have been going through lately with um how much interesting press that they have had this 
has honestly like covered it all up because of the fact that it looks so good that people really aren't even noticing. I mean, you have also the the um, crescent moon that was put on the ice. Like these throwback things of the coyotes is what everyone loves and desires. And you're giving it to the people and they're happy. And it's so nice to hear those things coming out of people rather than the different bits of controversy that have been coming out beforehand. I 100% agree. Unfortunately, that one of those controversies was the future of Oliver Ekman Larson. And we're not going to spend too much time on it because we've talked about it so much on our show. Um, it would be retreading a lot of what we've already said. But um, so I'm going to say this, which is if you haven't, uh, go subscribe to Craig Morgan's newsletter. Great stuff. Best in the Valley when it comes to the Coyotes. But he had a nice long chat with Oliver this week about a myriad of different things. And I just want to kind of get your opinion and, and I'll, I'll let you guys know mine too about kind of your biggest takeaway, Corey, from this conversation. And and mine is there was a, a two-pronged question, Q&A here that kind of stood out to me as the most interesting. So Craig asked – can you envision the Coyotes approaching you again about a trade, or do you consider the matter closed? He said, that's a question for Bill Armstrong. There's not much I can do about it. I'm just trying to stay in the moment. I know everybody says that, but I had a, a really good offseason. I worked out really hard to show that I wanted to be here, wanted to get better, and hopefully that transfers into these stuff on ice. I feel really happy that I am here, but if the day comes when they ask, I will deal with it then. And uh, they went on to ask about um, Bill Armstrong, too. And Oliver basically said, yeah, he's had a conversation with him. Um, yeah, he came in, had a tough job to do. We had some good conversations, but I look forward to getting to know him even better as we get going here. So that was kind of my my, my biggest takeaway is, is Oliver seems more kind of in it when it comes to talking about the – his future with the Cowboys, it just seems excited to move on. The two of the things that I was like really interested in when I was reading this is um, he had asked him and, and this was kind of like, there's rumors going around of why he chose Vancouver and Boston as his two teams that he approved for a trade. And um, it was interesting to hear what he said. Cause he said, I don't want to say too much, but at the same time, I knew Boston had some interest in me before I signed my contract here. That was one of the teams I felt wanted me and showed interest in me, and I spent a lot of time in Boston when I played in Portland, Maine in the lockout year 2012-2013, so I was familiar with the city and liked it when I was there. With Vancouver, I've obviously been playing there a lot because they are in our division. I have a lot of Swedish friends that played there and really liked it, so I knew a lot about the city and my agent lives there, and I have visited him. I thought they did a good job in the playoffs and played good hockey, and they have a good young team, so I had a good feeling about that. So it was it was interesting to read that because I just kind of put everything to bed about why he chose those two teams. And then the other thing that I thought that was really interesting, let me, let me scroll here. He had a lot of information on this, so... Um, like uh, like Richie said, if you haven't read it, definitely read it. Um, but he had asked him, basically, um, is it your understanding that you will be the captain next season? Has anyone suggested otherwise? And he said, I haven't heard anything. All I can do is be myself, be the best person and the best player that I can. I feel like they want to go in a different direction with that. I feel that if they feel like they want to go in a different direction with that, I'm going to be the first guy to support the new captain and keep leading without having that C on my Jersey. It's their decision and I'm going to support whatever they do. That was a very, very mature comment for him to make because when he was an A and he wasn't officially the C yet and that season previously, um, he he was a little bit childish about how he handled that because he thought he should have been given the C. And it was kind of more shown that he was needing to earn it. And um, 
So the fact that it may go the other way now that he has it, the fact that he um, said that in itself, and the fact that he, you know, he really in this article talks about like how hard it was for him to possibly been treated because of the fact that, you know, um, everything with COVID as it was, but like, the fact that he wanted to spend the rest of his career here and still wants to spend the rest of his career here. And that's the whole point. But the fact that he understood that it's a business decision and that, you know, they have to do what's best for the team. But it's, I think it was a very humbling experience for him. And I think it was a very maturing experience for him. And I think a lot of times you don't realize what you have until it's gone or almost gone. And I think he realized what he had when it was almost gone. That's a great point. I hope basically what you're referring to is it's almost like a wake up call to him. And that's kind of what it sounds like in, in reading his thoughts there with, with Craig is that this was kind of a wake up call for him. And I hope it leads to him essentially becoming more consistent because I think that was you and I's biggest problem with Oliver over the last, at least last year. And then previous seasons was when he was good, he was good but he just wouldn't do it all the time. And I, that's the, th- the frustrating thing about not only Oliver Ekman Larson as a player, but the team in general, because there just seemingly is a lot of players on this roster where, man, when they're good, they're good. When Clayton Keller is good, he's a point-per-game player. When Nick Schmaltz is rolling, he's a point-per-game player. When Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ranta are healthy and good, they're elite-level goaltenders, but they just can't do it consistently for 80 games a season. And I wonder actually, Corey, and maybe this is a discussion for like next week because we're running out of time today, but if the NHL season does become shortened, which I think is a distinct possibility that it may be, because it's going to be so hard to get in all 82 games in the type of schedule they're talking about doing. I think a shortened schedule helps the Coyotes a lot because, and we've seen it, right? They were so good for, 65 games the prior season, what, 18 in the 18 19 season, they were so good for about 60 games this past season before Darcy Kemper got hurt. And I wonder if that shortened season would actually help the counties out. But we'll, we'll get into that discussion maybe another time. Because, Corey, it is time to wrap up the show here with our random shit from around the world. I have some good ones this week most of which are in the United States. So it's not really around the world. It's mostly in the United States. But I'm going to let Can you I pick. Can I for a second and say that yes. I, see, I only see what you guys see. So I don't get told any of these beforehand. Therefore, the only thing I have seen is Richie's teaser that he put out today about small penises. I am mm-hmm. just as worried as the rest of you. Oh, it's a good one. And we're going to leave that for the end. We're going to do that one last. So you got to stick around sporty nation for for that because it's a it's a it's a good one baby it's a good one all right but let's start out with in and out burger in colorado now y'all know that i think Corey and i both love ourselves some in and out burger and absolutely a new one has opened up in colorado and of course we know that in and out burger is mostly a west coast thing right it's only in arizona california nevada is it in Texas? I don't even know if it's in Texas yet. I don't think it's migrated that far east. But people were so excited to get themselves some In-N-Out Burger this year or this week in Colorado that the Aurora Police Department put this out. Update. In-N-Out Burger is now at a 12-hour wait. I repeat, 12 hours. Traffic is still significantly impacted by the area surrounding the mall. They will close before you get to the window, most likely. Meanwhile, many other local eateries do not have a wait. Hint, hint. That's insane. Why would you want to wait 12 hours for a burger? Um, I would honestly ask that question if I hadn't been around, um, if where I work wouldn't be so close to where they did, um... Uh, White Castle. Right. And I had to watch how many people flock to a fucking White Castle. Uh-huh. To which, um, my my boyfriend having to travel all these years for hockey was like, that is ridiculous. 
it is not a good burger. And I like literally told him, is it better than in and out burger? And he's like, not even in the slightest. And I was like, then there's no point in me even trying this. And I still haven't tried it because I just thought it was so fucking ridiculous to wait that long for a burger. That being said, um, I have waited long times for an out burger, considering the fact that the one in Tempe may be, uh, now that after hearing the story, the second busiest um, in and out burger ever. And one time I was really hungover and needed some fries. I waited a very, very long time for those fries. Um, so I can see it to an extent. Would I spend half of my day waiting for it? And I mean day as not even like hours of sleep, like literally the 24 hours of the day. Um, no, because it would have to calm down at some point. Or, you know, have someone get some and, uh, like, for you. Like, send someone else to do that, you know? I There's got to be someone that likes you enough to do that for you. That really, really wants it and can grab one for you. Do you remember when the, um... The White White Castle first opened here in Phoenix, in Scottsdale. Didn't they have to shut it down after the first day because they ran out of food, basically? Because so many people yeah. wanted it? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. I So, like, that's the Starbucks that I go to. And, um, like, if I'm, like, on my way to work or going to somewhere else, like, during work and stuff like that, one time I maybe, like, three weeks or so it had been open for like already like about a month and they had signs up in the parking lot that were like leading you on like where they're going to do this line right like it was a a full-blown choreographed line they had workers standing out in in the parking lot area of um of this place like it was not just one parking lot it's got like four different parking lots with a bunch of different businesses in there. They So they weave people all the way through it with signs. And it was in the middle of the day on like a Thursday and the line was still an hour and a half long wait. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. So congratulations, Colorado. You guys are idiots. Granted, Marijuana also legal in Colorado, so I wonder if that played into it at all. Okay, we got one more story before we get to before we get to the small penis story. This is a quick one. This is wild. Thankfully, I don't live in Alaska. I don't think I ever lived there. And according to the National Weather Service, on back on November 18th at 1:30 Alaska time, the sun will set in Utkiavik. Alaska, and it will that city will enter a 66-day period of polar night. The sun will rise again on January 23rd, 2021. That's nuts. Yeah, honestly, that is a whole level of crazy, and I say that in the most kindest way possible, considering the fact that my aunt, uncle, and cousins lived there for a very long. They lived in Alaska for a very long time, and then my cousin left to go to Washington and is now back in Alaska. Part of the reason why he left was the fact that you have uh, freezing cold temperatures and not a lot of sunlight, but um, I mean, Washington is mostly rain, so it's not that much different. Um, it's it's a whole level of crazy like to be able to live there because you are living in like freezing temperatures and then you also don't have a ton of sunlight. And there is a like a high amount of like depression in that state because of it, but you know, if, if it's really beautiful and has wonderful outdoorsy stuff, you can be like basically all year round uh, skating on ponds too. So um, there are perks to it, but that is insane. As someone who loves and adores sun a lot, like I literally just sat on the sun today with like my eyes closed, like feeling the warmth of the sun because, you know, being born and raised in Arizona. I could never do that. I would lose my mind. I 100% agree. I, Alaska is like 
maybe dead last on my list of places I'd ever want to live in the United States of America. Okay, so our last story is, of course, the best story. The one you've all been waiting for for the last, what, three days, ever since I teased it on Twitter. I intentionally blurred out the bottom of it because I did not want to spoil what this new research is all about. But let me read from the New York Post here the first couple paragraphs. Are you ready, Corey? You most definitely are not. Oh, God. I just took another drink. I took a giant gulp. You probably heard me gulping that. Mm-hmm. In preparation. Okay. Size does matter when it comes to salary, but not in the way you might think. A survey by Online Bazaar, only by, found that the biggest earners tend to have the smallest willies. To determine whether penis proportions correspond to paycheck size, the e-commerce site recruited 997 men to answer their questions about work, salary, and the dimensions of their manhood. What better way to celebrate International Men's Day, which was earlier this week. The study found that men with units measuring 7 and 8 inches earned an average of about $35,700 and $50,300 per year. Meanwhile, men packing three-inch penises, the threshold for a micro-penis, like our president of the United States, made an annual income of about $76,780 on average. Not only that, but males with four-inch penises were far more likely to get promoted per the survey. Oh my gosh. Imagine being the people doing this survey. Like, just imagine sitting there and being like, okay, so we're going to need you to tell us how much money you make. All right, I, I need to know the length and the girth of your penis. Like, this is, uh, like, what a questionnaire to be doing, like, a uh, scientific-ish study on. That's, that's very, uh, it's got to be an interesting room to be passing those out in. But, I mean, it makes sense. You have to compensate. I feel like that's a whole compensate situation. Like, you have a small dick, so you're compensating with money. So that way, like, you give off the big dick energy without having a big dick. I mean, I get where it's coming from. They probably try a little bit harder. It's like the one thing, what was the one thing that we... It was something about people that were good looking, right? You know, like... Mm-hmm. You, if you have situations, you end up trying harder and like trying to like advance in the world if you have certain limitations. I mean, no one knows that you have a tiny penis except for yourself. So um, I, I really don't think that should be a motivating force in life. But hey, if that's what gets you there. Coincidentally, only by found that those working in the arts had the highest number of 8-inch dicks, while bankers boasted the most micro-penises on average. <laughs> this is amazing. This is just terrific. Coming in second overall for penis size were manual laborers, who sported the highest proportion of 6 and 7 inches. Meanwhile, medical professionals rounded out the middle with the greatest percentage of average size schlongs, as it says in the copy here. What a story, man. What a story. Congratulations to the guys who are willing to say, hey, my dick is only four inches or whatever. I, I can't imagine actually admitting to that fact to anybody. Does it does it specify in there? Does it say like when they ask them this question, is it like is it a flaccid dick or is it a hard dick? This is this is a big question because there's a lot of people that are growers, not showers. So some people could be, um, you know, off on this because if some people were like, yes, mine is this long when it's hard, which is usually almost always, like, bigger, then, um, then someone else answered the question flaccid. There, there may be an error in their reporting. You know what's funny is I'm looking through this real quick to see if it specifies, and 
I don't see it anywhere here in the in the main study. If we're with what we're what the parameters of the size are. So maybe there's another study out there where we'll get to the bottom of it. <laughs> I need to know what they did scientifically to make sure that the measuring was all accurate and was the same size, you know? Um, and also, this also calls the question of why do guys, like, measure their dicks anyways? Like, even the fact of having to, like, get your bra size measured just sounds obnoxious to women. So why you would, like, as, like, a man just, like, pull out a ruler and be like, yes, I'm going to measure how long it is, is just weird to me as well. I agree. That was my other question about this study is how were they able to to figure out the size of it? Because did they just bust out a ruler? Because some people measure it differently than others do. So I I think this study is 100% completely flawed, in my opinion. Too many holes. We just spent two minutes talking about it, and we've already found all these holes. Yeah, I mean, you. the only way, <laughs> this is terrible, but the only way I feel like you could do this study and do it properly is if you were to measure all of the dicks yourself, which, which is not probably possible, but, you know, then you can make sure, like, that it starts, like, properly at the base and that, you know, you have either a flaccid dick or a hard dick. Like, you have to have specifications on here and I feel like I'm going way too scientific in this but like scientific studies need to have like the same controlled parameters yes that's the scientific method can you imagine being the guy or the girl who was in charge of doing this and they had to have 997 guys come by and if this was it would happen and i don't think it was in the age of covid but you're the doctor or the scientist in this study that had to whip out the ruler and measure 997 guys's dicks can you imagine that well they made it sound like they they had like a questionnaire and someone like answered on the questionnaire like yes that's that's exactly what happened but and we're just playing out the scenario that you had entailed about oh, the only way to do it correctly yeah. would be to do it that way. Yeah, it would be. Like, could you imagine that is a that is a whole new thing. I always think about that, though, when it comes to, like, those um, ESPN, like, uh, body magazines and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I always go back to that, like, how many, like boobs, vaginas, and dicks do you see in one day during those photo shoots? That person, I mean, the whatever it was, what was it, 997 or whatever, you would literally be drowning in dicks at that point. So it would be a little bit different, but um, yeah, that would be interesting having to measure. Maybe what they should have done is they should have like been like, okay, we're going to team up with like a doctor and every single time like someone comes in, for a prostate check, they'll get their dick measured and B- bust out study. the ruler. Bust, bust out the yeah. ruler. <laughs> exactly. All right, I think that's a great way to wrap up this show. For the love of God, you probably turned turned us off about five minutes ago while we were just talking about dongs for five minutes, but it was fucking hilarious, if you ask me. Uh, any last words <coughs> before we go, Corey? Don't die on me, for one. And two, men get to talk about their their dicks all day long. So the fact that I got to talk about dicks for like five minutes should be totally allowed. Next, yeah, next week on the show, I'll make up for it uh, with talking about boobies. How about that? So we got to play everybody. There's got to be a boob survey out there. Yeah, so that will give me a good reason to Google boobs, but I'll do it for the pod. I mean, we did Pornhub on the last one. That's true. Yeah, we have a really weird trend developing on this show. Okay, I've ended coughing. This has been another episode of Sporty with Corey and Richie. Uh, For Corey, I have been Richie. Until next week, Sporty Nation, good night and good hockey, everybody. 
Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of like, <laughs> you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. I get a phone call. And he's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he should have checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. But we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.